The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show as we march on through the beginning of January 2012. I'm wishing all of you, as last week, a great year. And here we are at the end of January, and I am so excited about our guest today because he is someone I have known for a long time that kept in touch with me always a friend of the disability community. Al Ingalls, welcome to the show. Joyce, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And Al, so you know, is the Senior Associate and Capability Lead for Central Maryland for Booz Allen, which is, as you know, a company that has a culture that has been open to the employment of people with disabilities. But Al, I wanted to start first with your background. Tell me, what caused you to uh, pursue this technology career in information technology? Well, Joyce, that's a, that's a good question. Um, and I, I have to say it, it goes back to my days as a kid. Uh, my father was into radio electronics, um, and I remember spending time with him, you know, taking apart TVs and radios and, and things of that that ilk, if you will. And uh, as I progressed through high school and then on to college, I actually started in a computer science background in college, and I switched to electrical engineering because I wanted to learn more about how computers were made, not just the programming of computers. So I guess today that would be more like computer engineering. Um, and from there, I, I took an internship for a couple of years with the DuPont Company in Wilmington, Delaware. Started with DuPont out of college and progressed from there uh, into where I am today uh, with uh, with Booz Allen Hamilton in, in Central Maryland. And I actually have responsibility for aspects of our engineering and operations capability within the, this geography, if you will, supporting our, our various clients. And how have you enjoyed this career in IT? I have. It's you know it's been a blast. It's been a challenge with the ever changing uh, landscape of technology, and uh, I'm, I'm impressed today. I do a lot with uh, some of the local high schools through some uh, activities that I'm involved in, and uh, the knowledge that is coming out of our schools today, uh, the the capabilities that these high school kids have and college kids that I've interviewed, I'm in awe because they know a lot more than I ever will, <laughs> especially about uh, some of the newer technologies and the inner workings. Um, but it's challenging our customers and not just the customers that I work with, but I think customers in general are going to be taking more advantage of information technology and computing capability as time continues to march on. Right. 
Well, I'm going to ask you a question because actually I hear this question frequently from young people thinking about going into college, needing to select a major, and that is they frequently ask me, do you think it's still a good career choice for college students? Many people don't because of, you know, the outsore and offshore decisions. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, you know, there's a, a couple of ways to look at that picture, Joyce. One is, yes, in certain areas of information technology, there is a lot of offshore or outsourcing that's being done where certain types of work is being moved to, you know, other parts of the world. Uh, in large part because the labor force may be a little cheaper um, or the leveraging of, of what the work is, uh, it might be more beneficial to do it somewhere other than in the United States. Um, however, when I look at the, the type of clients that I do business with today, um, which is in large part aspects of the U.S. government, but even a lot of multinational corporations, um, there are capabilities within both computer science and in the science technologies and engineering and also mathematics areas, all of them are heavily reliant on information technologies where there is still a large amount of growth and a lot of capability um, that industry in general can take advantage of. Uh, and so I highly encourage students that are looking to go to college uh, and looking at some type of a technical discipline, if you will, computer science, mathematics, uh, engineering, no matter which which particular discipline of engineering, I think are all good choices. From a computer science perspective, if you look at the world of cyber today and cybersecurity and the issues that arise with um, social media and other things of that like, if you will, uh, having a good foundational background in computer science and then understanding aspects of computer defense and such are all heavy growth areas and uh, ones that I would encourage uh, kids to look at as they're looking towards college. Yes, because, you know, um, when I began my career in executive search way, way back uh, in 1980, <clears throat> everyone... And I mean everyone was moving into the computer science field. You know, this is way back prior to the PC, during the IBM dynasty, you know, mainframe time. And I, I mean everyone was going into computer science because there were so many jobs for software developers and maintenance and, you know, due to the size of the data centers. Uh, but then when outsourcing, even after the PC, there were still a lot of people in the field, <clears throat> but after the outsourcing and offshoring became more prominent, for example, right here in Pittsburgh, you know, Alcoa, this is a company that no one would ever leave and no one ever thought, you know, they could lose their job. And really other big giants here in Pittsburgh, they all started to outsource, you know, their work uh, to a CSC or to, um, you know, different companies, Accenture, uh, working with them across the board. And uh, what happened is that a lot of those people, their children, became very disenchanted. And now, you know, they're always asking me, should I even go there? I mean, really, are there any opportunities? But there are. 
And in fact, as you know, thanks to you, Al, I still work with the National Security Agency. And, you know, Joyce, that's good. And the point you made, I think, is, um, is spot on. You know, so companies like the one I grew up in, the DuPont Company, for example, and I came to work for Computer Sciences Corporation as a result of an outsourcing that the DuPont Company did for a pretty significant percentage of its corporate IT, uh, both infrastructure and some of its application capabilities. So if I stand back and look at the forest and to the point that you were making around opportunities, while a lot of large corporations, they need some core capability within the IT environment in-house. You don't want to give away all of your family jewels, if you will. And you need to have that competent, some aspect of that competency in-house uh, so you, you know you're not being taken advantage of and so that you can help define the strategy and work with your the businesses and the like. But for somebody who is looking to become an IT professional, then companies like Booz Allen or others, CSC, you know, Northrop Grumman, Lockheed Martin, pick, pick any one of the large companies uh, corporations that have a very heavy component of information technology professionals within their ranks, that's where that training and experience and the the degree in computer science, if you will, can be put to good use so you're not working for a DuPont or an Alcoa or a Bethlehem Steel or a Pittsburgh Steel Company, if you will. You're working for a company that is providing that capability in service to client organizations, uh, either private industry or the public sector. Uh, it could be government or uh, academia or what have you. Um, so there is still that need for the skill set and the capability. It's just not in that um, large family-oriented business like the DuPont company that I grew up with. You know, when I started with DuPont, uh, both as an intern, my father worked for DuPont later in his career, and that's how I came to work for the DuPont company as an intern over a couple of years. When I started with the DuPont company after I graduated from college, I fully expected today to be working for DuPont still, but I left DuPont under an outsourcing agreement in 1998. Um, and while I miss aspects of the DuPont company, you know, to be perfectly honest, I haven't looked back too much because I think my career has done well uh, as a result of moving on. Well, you know, um, I think that's a great attitude to have. Uh, why I mentioned also, you know, how, how now the National Security Agency, for all these years forward, is still hiring people with disabilities from Bender. When I met with, and I know believe you know him, Dr. Davis, Harvey Davis. Mm -hmm. When I met with him just this past week, he's going across the country trying to get the message out to young people, whether in middle school or wherever, to pursue a career in computer engineering or computer science or, you know, one of the STEM areas, mathematics, whatever it is, because as he said, when he goes to, you know, um, the colleges, trying to find a citizen, a college student who's a citizen, he can't find them. 
And, right. of course, to work for the NSA, you have to be a citizen of the United States, which, again, shows you there are opportunities. Absolutely. You know, in the federal sector. Absolutely. But anyway, we're going to be getting ready to go to break here. If you just joined us, we have with us today a good friend of mine and a good friend of yours, Al Engels, who is the Senior Associate and Capability Lead in Central Maryland for Booz Allen. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Al. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. How has your belief system been formed? Has it been based on others telling you what to believe? Do you desire to make changes in your life that you know will bring you deeper fulfillment? Tune in to The Ripple Effect with Catherine Cloward for your weekly dose of inspiration and encouragement. Whether it be in your business, personal relationships, or family life, this show will help you recognize and trust your intuitive knowing. Catherine and her guests will help inspire you to make fulfilling choices for your life. The Ripple Effect is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop, and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, our guest today is Al Engels, the Senior Associate of Engineering and Operations at Booz Allen in Central Maryland. And a friend of mine, a friend of yours, Al, people can either call in direct, Twitter, Facebook, or email, and we have a question for you here. And the question is, uh, Mr. Engels, I've been listening to the show. Um, I do have a question in reference to my child who wants to go into this field, it just seems as if there is not loyalty as there was before to corporations. How do you feel about that? Gee, that's a, that's a very interesting question, and, and I, to some extent, agree 
with uh, with the individual that that raised that question. Um, you know, I think everybody, and I put myself into this boat as well. When you first hire into a job with a company, you're you have a level of allegiance to that organization, and uh, nobody goes into a job with an expectation of leaving that job, finding another job. Uh, at least people that in the circles that I travel, nobody goes into it with, with that level of expectation. And I include myself in that as well. Uh, but what I have found for myself, and I think others periodically come across this, uh, you find changes happening and change will happening. Well, sorry, change will happen over time within a company and within an organization. And sometimes, even when you do your best to embrace that change, occasionally you might find yourself in a position where you may not like the direction that you see in front of you or you may be needing additional challenges uh, that you're just not getting or you're not able to create for yourself uh, in the position or the assignment that you have with that company. And so you find yourself looking uh, elsewhere and my experience personally is, you know, there's there's this old cliche that says the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. What I have learned is it's not necessarily greener on the other side of the fence, but occasionally it might be nurtured a little differently and more to your liking. And that's sort of what I have found myself uh, over my career, which spans now uh, going into almost four decades. I don't really want to admit that out loud, but I just did. Um, uh <laughs> But I have found uh, when I have moved uh, on from assignments and in a couple of cases moved companies, uh, it's been because I've I've looked for a different type of challenge and the company that I went to afforded me that challenge. Uh, where I am today, I'm very happy with uh, the choice that I made to join Booz Allen Hamilton. Uh, my expectation is uh, this is where I will hang my hat until I decide to retire, which is not for a number of years. Um, in some cases, though, and I have seen some some situations, there are some folks that because of uh, greed or other drivers that they have personally, um, you know, their expectation is I'll work here for a couple of years, I'll go here for a couple of years, I'll go someplace else for a couple of years. Um, they're changing companies, in some cases, for the wrong reasons. Uh, they may be driven purely by financial gain or something. Uh, at some point, though, that tends to catch up with them. I find in the market where I work today, because most of the companies are doing work under contracts and contracts have finite lives, when a contract is recompeted, frequently the incumbent uh, prime contractor, the, per- the company that owns the contract, may not always win the recompete. Well, when that happens, the company that ends up becoming the new prime contractor will do their level best to employ the people that were in those jobs. So sometimes people will change companies as a result of the change of a contract. But I think the the person that raised that question, it's a very good question, and kind of my guidance to any young person that's entering into the workplace or even a not-so-young person who is in the workplace and and contemplating a change, uh, don't do a change for the sheer 
joy of making a change or the sheer drive to make a change. Have a good reason behind it. You know, go through a bit of a pros and cons analysis. And especially for young people moving into the workplace, whoever you land with, whatever company offers you a job, go into that with the intent of that's where you want to hang your hat for your career, recognizing that things can change as you go down that path. Right. And, you know, two things I want to say about that. I remember the comment you made earlier, Al, about DuPont mm-hmm. and how, you know, you thought you'd be there forever. That yes. is exactly how it was here in Pittsburgh at Alcoa, uh, PPG. I remember, honestly, way, way back when I first started Executive Search, if you would call anyone from those companies, right off the bat they would say, hey, don't even call me. I'm never leaving here. I'm at Alcoa. I'm at the best. I love being here. And they did. But then as time went on and things started years later, seeing you know things sent offshore or outsourced, it just changed the whole dynamic you know of how people felt. It's amazing how that happened because there used to be such loyalty to companies. Now that I've said that, I want to also state, as you well know, Al, people with disabilities have incredible loyalty to yes. the company that hires them. Absolutely. So for employers listening, that is something uh, to think about. But I want to go back to that comment about DuPont because I want to talk about DuPont. I noticed when I started working, you know, with CSC, because as you mentioned, many of the people I met at CSC were former DuPonters. Yes. I noticed that those people seem to be the most open-minded, uh, sort of oriented toward the social mission, um, across the board, progressive in many of those areas, you know, wanting to give back. My question is, was that just an anomaly of the people I met, or did DuPont sort of uh, embrace and encourage that type of culture? Yeah, Joyce, as, as I listen to your question, uh, DuPont embraced that as, a, as part of their uh, culture in the way that they, they operated their business. You know, the, the members of the DuPont family who started the DuPont company were very um, giving to the community that they lived in. Uh, they were um, big philanthropists. Um, many of them helped start uh, hospitals and other nonprofit organizations. Uh, you know, it was the, the DuPont family uh, who had a big hand in the formation of the rail system along the East Coast, north to south, mm-hmm. uh, in large part because, you know, in the winter times the DuPont family would migrate to Florida. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you drive through Jacksonville, I think it may still be there, there is a Nemours Hospital in Jacksonville, Florida, and that's a hospital that was started in some part by some members of the, of the DuPont de Nemours family. So the culture in a, a very family-oriented environment and a very giving environment back to the community. I remember during my time with the DuPont Company, uh, one of its former CEOs, a gentleman by the name of Jack Kroll, uh, instituted a policy, at least within the, the corporate headquarters environment in Wilmington, Delaware, where every employee was given a half a day a year to do something 
giving back to the community where they wouldn't be charged extra vacation time and it wouldn't be taken out of their pay, but there was a half a day, four hours a day, where they could do something in support of the community. Um, so I think that culture has, was instilled, and I believe that it, it still is there inherently within the, the DuPont company today, even though I have um, not been directly affiliated with, with DuPont for a number of years. So, and I yeah. think for the, the folks that you've met that along the way with Computer Sciences Corporation that came to CSC from DuPont, that's why we are the way we are, if you will. And because yeah, it was, boy, uh, that speaks highly of them, doesn't it? It sure does. Yeah. And, and there are a lot of other companies, and, and Booz Allen is that way as well. There's a very strong commitment of giving back to the community that exists within the culture. Yes. Well, as you well know, I work with Leanne Thomas. Yes. And she has been phenomenal, and she is a good example of what you're talking about, as is Jeannie Mall. And many people, you know, that came from DuPont. Absolutely. Um, so I always wondered about that. And, and you could just tell that, you know, something was there that, you know, developed that culture and that orientation. Um, and, and really, that speaks volumes about a company, doesn't it? It certainly does. It most certainly does. And I know that uh, Booz Allen, for example, if you go back years ago when I first became involved in the disability community. Uh-huh. And I don't know if he is still there, but at that time the CEO had a child with epilepsy. Okay. And for that reason, you know, they did a lot of things in the disability community. Um, so when people would think about Booz Allen, they all, always felt they were disability friendly. So it's also amazing how it comes from the top. It does. It does. I mean, you can, you can be great at any level, but you can't push out initiatives the way you can when it comes from the top. I agree with you. It makes well, things easier I'm for sorry, the rest of ahead. us. What were you going to say? No, I said uh, when it comes from the top and when the support is there from the top, it, it makes it a lot easier for the rest of us. Right, because you know you have their backing. Yes. And so does everyone else. So, yeah, that's why I've been so successful Really, I mean, with the companies I work with, almost every single one of them, it starts at the top. Every one. That's excellent. Because once you have that person, everyone knows someone has their back. That is very, very true. Yeah. Well, anyway, hey, listen, everyone, we're going to go to break. But then we'll be back with Al to talk more about disability and employment. But right now, we're going to go to break This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Al Ingalls. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. 
The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Explore the power and beauty in yourself and in others. Tune in to The Stacey Stern Show, enriching you. Every week, Stacey Stern will connect you with men and women who are living and working from a place of passion. Stacey's guests include successful authors, filmmakers, actors, experts, and leaders. You'll hear what inspires each of them, and you'll be turned on to great films, books, and new media. Tune in to The Stacey Stern Show, enriching you, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. We are talking to our guest, Al Ingalls, an executive from Booz Allen, over the engineering and operations area and a longtime friend of mine and the disability community, which brings me to this question. Uh, Al, as you know very well from knowing me, uh, employment for people with disabilities is a great mountain to climb, and that is why 70% of Americans with disabilities are not even counted in the labor force. That's how terrible it is. So you, on the other hand, were always very open-minded, you know, to working with us and bringing on people with disabilities. So why was that? Why, why are you one that was so open-minded to this when so many are not? Joyce, I, th- I think that's an, an excellent question, and I'm, I'm more than happy to address that. So I'll, I'll, I'll start answering it this way. I, I was exposed to, um, to people with disabilities you know, not pervasively. There were not a whole lot of folks with handicaps, if you will, uh, back in the 60s when I was in elementary school that were in my school. However, I do vividly remember all the way back to when I was a very young child. um, My mom and dad and I lived in Ohio. My father worked for the RCA company at the time at at an R&D facility in uh, Ohio outside of Columbus and we actually lived in a trailer park and there was a gentleman who took care of the grounds he was the maintenance guy for the trailer park well he was deaf and he was also mute and I remember and I, I was probably two years old watching this man communicate either by writing notes or some of the adults some of the men had picked up basic American sign language and they would communicate with him And I remember at that age 
trying to learn sign language. And I remember my father, as I got older, relaying this story where I would just start making motions with my hands, and the other adults would think that was kind of cute and funny. But I remember this gentleman, and I do not remember his name. He would stop and he would watch me. And he taught me the basic alphabet so that I could, you know, at the age of two and a half or three, however old I was, I could at least say hi to him and I could tell him my name and I could say his name. But I didn't see that disability that he had of not being able to speak or hear stop him from being able to do whatever else it was he had to do around that trailer park. He was the maintenance guy. He did all the, cut all the grass. He shoveled the, the roads and the sidewalks when it snowed and, and stuff. Um, and as I roll the clock forward, I, I've had points in my life where I have interacted with people with a variety of disabilities, um, some of them fairly severe physical disabilities and some also fairly severe learning disabilities. Um, and what I've seen in those individuals is in some way, shape, or form, irrespective of what their disability was, they had an inherent drive to use whatever capabilities they had to do something that was meaningful. Um, you know, obviously somebody with a very severe learning disability may have a lot more limitations in what it is they're able to do. Uh, but I have seen people with reasonably severe learning disabilities still do things that were contributing to the good of some cause, letting them feel good about themselves. And, you know, they may not have been 100% self-sustaining, um, but they were doing something, and it was meaningful. To the, and to the other end, some, you know, a lot of individuals with uh, severe physical disabilities or not necessarily even noticeable disabilities, like, for example, somebody who has epilepsy, who nobody ever sees that person go through a seizure, wouldn't even know that that person had epilepsy. Um, but the fact that, and I have a disability, I've suffered through arthritis, I have an artificial hip. Um, it hasn't stopped me from doing what I want to do. And I think that's the, the key point is my exposure over the, over the years to people with disabilities, I have not met one who doesn't want to take the capability that they have or the learning that they've gone through and apply it um, you know, to help a company, to help a good cause, to, and to help themselves and sustain themselves. And so I've been an advocate for that because I look at it as this individual has an ability, and if we have the need for somebody with that ability, whether they have a disability or not should not matter. That's well, kind of my, Al, you know what? I'm going to take you on the road with me. <laughs> I'm happy to go on the road with you, Joyce. I anytime. just wish everyone realized that. What's amazing to me is how that person had such an impact on you, you know, that you talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. it, it is amazing how one person can have such an impact 
But I know you know very well from seeing the people at CSC and all these other people you talked about that talent should be the only discriminator, discriminator. Yes. not if you're in a wheelchair or you're deaf, but just as, like I have epilepsy, just as you said, you know, you can't always see the person's disability, um, and that is why when I speak at a company and they say to me, oh, we've never hired people with disabilities yet, I say, oh, yes, you have. <laughs> they just don't They're know They're right here at your company. They have bipolar disorder, epilepsy, MS, you know, various disabilities. It's just they're not telling you. Yes. But they are there. With a hidden disability, yes, they are there. Um, so here you are, open-minded as you are. I have to ask you, so then why do you think we have this largest group in America, unemployed or people with disabilities? Why do you think people are opposed to that? So my my opinion on that, Joyce, and you know it may not be shared by by others, but uh, I kind of liken it to the to the same reason why bigotry and discrimination still exists in in our country um, uh, around uh, gender and race um, and you know ethnicity background and uh, you know cultural background. Uh, because I, th- I think people are just blind, um, and you know there are there are factions of folks, unfortunately, who I believe uh, see somebody who is different than themselves, irrespective of what that difference is, and somewhere in their upbringing, those individuals look at that person and say, "Well, they're different than me, therefore they can't be as good as me." and therefore there is something wrong with them. Um, and while it's sad to say that, that's kind of uh, my perspective on, on why that issue still exists today um, when, it, when it comes to organizations or people hiring people with disabilities because they look at that individual, especially where it's a, a disability that you can see, if you will, somebody that's dependent on a wheelchair or, or what have you, um, and, you know, the person takes a look at them and says, well, they can't be smart because they're different than me. And I feel sad about that, and I feel sorry for those people because um, I think that those individuals are missing out on, on truly what uh, that person could bring to the table and offer their organization. Right. Yeah, they, that is right. I'm sorry. They look at the person, they say they're different, and that's their problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've hopefully we will someday get over that, but I don't believe we will until we have enough people working at companies because that's what really makes the change. And, and we talked a little bit earlier um, about, you know, young people wanting to pursue a career in IT. What about young people with disabilities seeking employment, and you know how hard it is. What advice do you have for them? Um, let me think about that a second. I think um, it, it would be the same advice that I would give to any person, young or old, that is looking for an opportunity um, to use their skills and background um, in a you know a new new company or a, a new area of employment. Um, Go into that interview 
uh, with confidence. Uh, you know, look look beyond uh, what you perceive or how you perceive others may think of you, if you will. Um, address the individual that you're going to interview with. You know, kind of stick to the facts, if you will. Uh, that old Dragnet TV show, for those of us that remember it, just the facts, ma'am, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, kind of a thing. But but confidence to me is the bigger the bigger driver. Uh, if you go into an interview with confidence, it's okay to be a little nervous. We I think we all do get a little bit nervous when we're going in to meet somebody that we've never met before. But if you go in with confidence and you go in and you you exude that confidence and show that you know what you you know what you know and that you know whatever your skill sets are how you can bring that to the table how you can help that company or that organization uh if they brought you in um uh that to me is is the biggest the biggest driver because you know when you when you go into an interview not only are you being interviewed by that prospective employer but you are also interviewing them so that's the other the other piece to it as well is, you know, be conscious of how you are perceived. You know, how how are people looking at you? What's their body language? What's their facial ex- expressions? How's the tone of their voice? And if you sense that they're looking at you a little differently, um, find an opportunity to help turn their perception around. And, you know, I can't give you a a prescription on exactly how you do that because I think every single uh, situation lends itself to some uniqueness in how you might approach that. But, you know, most of us can pick up on body language and the tone of somebody's voice, you know, the level of comfort that maybe that individual is having with us. So if you sense that there's something not going quite right, see if there's a way that you can help turn that around because that may persuade that individual to offer you a job. Right, and anything helps in that situation. But the main thing that you alluded to that's true is sell yourself. Absolutely. You have to sell yourself. Well, hey, folks, we're going to get ready to go to break. Before we come back to close the show with Al Engels, what a great guy he is, executive at Booz Allen over engineering and operations we'll be right back with al don't go away you're listening to joyce bender america's voice at voiceamerica.com ask the experts call toll free right now 1-866-472-5787 Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. 
stimulating talk. It gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back to the show. Our guest today is Al Ingalls from Booz Allen. And I think we have a caller on the line. Leanne, are you on the line? I'm here. Oh, hey, Leanne, how are you? I am great. How are you? Good. It's so great to hear your voice. So, Leanne, do you know this guy on the phone? I think I do. Al, it's been some time, but it uh, is great hearing your voice again. Hi, Leanne. Same here. It has been a while. Right. It was a pleasure working with you. But, Al, I did want to um, ask one question. Um, years ago, as you know, we started the uh, – we did Disability Mentoring Day here at CSC in Delaware, and we still have continued that uh, program. That's cool. But you were there at the very beginning. So I just wanted to get your perspective of what made you want to get involved in that program back in 1998, I believe it was. Oh, it was that long ago? Oh, my yes, gosh. It, has it seems been. like yesterday. <laughs> and we're still doing it, so that's, that's fantastic. Cool. You know, I, uh, Leanne, what drove me to, to participate in that is kind of in line with, uh, with some of the things that Joyce and I have been talking about, uh, this afternoon. Uh, I believe that it is a, a valuable endeavor. You know, I, I highly, if there are any companies on the, that are listening in to the call this afternoon, I highly encourage, uh, you know, that you set aside some time during the year, and, and not just a day necessarily, but a day is a good way to get a focus uh, and a, a level of focused energy around it. But, um, you know, from my background and from my, my experiences, I think providing an opportunity to bring young kids, and in this case high school-aged kids, in for a day of mentoring and to help them see, uh, especially if they have interests in the sciences, technologies, engineering, mathematics fields, or you know, if it's finance or human resources or whatever the case might be, where kids have an opportunity to come in and see uh, the kinds of work that's done, what it's like in the day of day in the life of, I just think that that's invaluable. Um, and to provide them an opportunity, especially for somebody with a disability, to see how other individuals that may have a similar disability to theirs um, what they're doing, how they're applying the skills and the background and the training and the education that they have, just to me, is um, is very worthwhile and a huge value add to the lives of those young people. Thank you. It's a great program, and I'm glad that you were able to uh, bring that into CSE. Hey, Leanne, thanks for calling in, and thanks for all you do. Uh, you guys are most welcome. This is an important effort, so we need to keep it going and get other companies involved. I agree. Amen. Thanks, Leanne. Thank you. So, uh, oh, and she is so awesome, isn't she? I agree. Yeah. So, Al, I wanted to ask you a few last questions. First, you know, everyone has someone in their life that has had a major impact on them. Who was that? Who was your role model? You know, I... I have to go back and, and start with my parents, um, both my mom and my father. My, my mother grew up with adversity in her life because of 
religious differences in the area where she grew up. Uh, and my father, um, you know, they, they, both of my parents grew up during the Depression era. Um, so, you know, that, that brings a level of, uh, of difficulty, but they both made it through um, and, and were successful in their own rights. But it was a, a blue-collar environment uh, uh, in my growing up, but we didn't starve. We had a roof on our head. We had clothes on our back, if you will. Uh, but what I saw in both of my parents was uh, acceptance of, of people uh, holistically. Uh, I did not hear any sense of prejudice or bigotry out of either of them, and I think that that helped culturally set me down that path as well. Um, but outside of that, uh, one other person that I would have to mention that um, I think has had some impact on how I think about things, especially uh, people with disabilities, and this goes beyond the, the gentleman in the trailer park when I was a little kid. One of my nieces, who's uh, not that much younger than I am, uh, when she was born in, in the state of Florida, had probably one of the the worst cases of infantile scoliosis on record uh, at, at that time in the mid-60s in, in Florida. And she went through a lot in her early life, um, including being in a body cast for a year after, after a particular round of some major surgery on her back. Um, she is a mother of two wonderful young girls, both of whom have scoliosis and both of whom who have had some pretty significant operations. Um, but my niece is a counselor. Uh, she works with families. She has her master's in, in social counseling, if you will. Um, and her disability never stopped her. Yeah, she didn't play sports and... Uh, and what, but that didn't matter to her. It didn't stop her from doing the other things that she loved to do. And, you know, as I look back at, at some things, I have to say that my niece, Carmen, uh, has also been a bit of an inspiration to me. Um, just because I've, I've watched her over, you know, a long time. And then her two little girls, um, who both have had scoliosis, uh, and, you know, are still undergoing treatments, um, you know, it doesn't stop them from having fun and doing what they want to do either. So uh, that's kind of, of a couple of things, and there have probably been many others, including yourself, Joyce, as I met you over, you know, a number of years ago. I just see um, inspiration through uh, a lot of the people that I come in contact with. And then the last two I will throw out on the table is my youngest daughter, uh, my daughter, Emily, who's 14 and a uh, freshman in high school, two years ago uh, had an interest in going to an American Sign Language camp for a week uh, in uh, western, sort of western Maryland. And, uh, you know, she is, she can speak like you and I, but she was in a camp with a number of deaf children and teenagers, and she has learned American Sign Language. Uh, she's now been to the camp twice. She would be very disappointed if she couldn't go back again this summer. She has some interest potential in becoming a counselor. Um, and to see that in a, in a young teenager 
to me is just very inspiring. And I'm also a very proud dad as a result of that, too, because I just think it's pretty awesome for my daughter to uh, to view that as something that, you know, that just because she's interacting with kids who cannot speak or, um, you know, she has to learn sign language to speak with them, she has a blast with these kids. She has oh, an that is, blast. Oh, that is wonderful. So, Al, you've already accomplished so much in your life. Uh, what would you say you're the proudest of? Huh. I don't know if I've, if I've got one thing <laughs> that I could hang my hat on, Joyce, to be honest with you. Um, uh, yeah, I, early in my life when I was a, a young boy or, or early teenager, I was a Boy Scout, and the one thing that I learned from the Boy Scouts is uh, a scout always leaves the place better than they found it. You know, and the the thrust behind that is, you know, when you go camping or you go out in the woods, you clean up and you leave the place where you were better, cleaner uh, than when you found it. But I've I extrapolate that, and uh, what I have tried to do, no matter where I have been, whether it's in my professional career or in my personal endeavors and and activities that I've been associated with, my driver is to. If I, when I get to the point where it's time for me to move on to something else, I try to be able to leave where I was better than I found it, and that could be helping people excel at what they do, and you know, helping them find their niche in life, if and and use their skills and capabilities to their fullest, or you know, a room cleaner than when I walked into it. Although, don't go into my office at home because it'll be the antithesis of that <laughs> or counter to that in some cases. But, uh, you know, I have to say my kids, uh, I have three kids and they have all three turned out to be good people. Um, and aside from that, you know, it's tough for me to pick one thing in particular that I would couch as my, my greatest accomplishment. Well, you already have, and I'll tell you what, if everyone lived their life with that motto that you have, what a wonderful world it really would be. Well, Al, if you had to leave a message for our listeners today, uh, which I'm going to ask you to, uh, what would that message be? Uh, I have two, Joyce, if I may. And, and yes. I'll, one would be for any... Anybody that's listening to the show this afternoon who is in a position where they are looking to hire people, so employers, uh, owners of companies, or managers, executives in corporations, uh, look at the individuals, look at the capabilities that you're that you need in your organizations for the openings that you have and for the the growth areas. Um, that you're looking to, to move into within your companies or your organizations. And as you look at candidates, look beyond how that person looks and look at what they are capable of doing and what they are capable of bringing to the table. And for your listeners who are looking for opportunities and looking to uh, you know, move into jobs or in a position where they find that they have to change careers or, or change employers, uh, sell yourself, do your best, uh, do not sit on your laurels, don't, uh, 
you know, as my father used to say, put in a, an honest day's work for an honest day's pay, if you will. That I think adage is sometimes lost with with some individuals these days. But sell yourself and do your best, um, and be firm about your commitments uh, and your convictions, and be, and have confidence in what you are able to do. Wow. What a great message both of those are. Al, I want to thank you so much for being our guest today. It was a pleasure to have you on the show. Joyce, thank you for inviting me. It was my pleasure being here today. Well, we end every show with a quote from a leader uh, that has made an impact on people with disabilities, disadvantaged, or just people in the United States of America Today, that quote is from Tony Coelho, who says, Work gives us dignity. You have been listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.